You're listening to the National Trust podcast. I'm Alan Power. I'm a head gardener at the National Trust and I'll be taking you through some of the Trust's most loved gardens. In this episode, we're on the edge of the Snowdonia National Park in North Wales for a crisp winter stroll around Bodnant Garden. you ride a bike towards a property like this it kind of unfolds and releases itself from the landscape and really my eyes are just stuck on this big rolling mountain range behind us at Bodnant but as your eyes fall from the tops of the mountains down you can sense that there's something very special nestling in the valley below. Bodnant's a very very special place and I've been before but not for a long time so the gardener in me wants to get in and explore the plants but The man who grew up surrounded by mountains in Ireland just wants to explore this whole place because it's absolutely magnificent. Just coming through the gate, there's that sense of excitement and wonder because the garden changes. It changes by the minute, not just with the seasons, but under the hands of the gardeners. I've just come down the steps behind me and the kind of house is emerging from behind these ageing conifers and uh, the facade is just covered in sunshine at the moment and it's stunning. It's lovely to stand here and just look at the garden but actually I can spot Fran in the distance I'm going to go over and meet Fran because she's going to give me a proper tour of the formal areas and the grounds around the house. Hiya Fran, how are you doing? This is a cracking spot, isn't it? It's not bad, is it? Especially on a day like this, you picked a great day to visit. I mean, you can see exactly why Henry Pochin bought this place, can't you, when you look yeah. at that view? I mean, what a, an incredible view to have out of your, your and window. When, Henry, when did Henry buy it? Henry Pochin bought the place in 1874. Okay. He was a, an incredible man, actually. He was a self-made industrialist, Victorian industrialist, and he had a passion for so many things, plants, politics, art, architecture, uh, archaeology, and he brought all of that kind of passion here to Bodnant Garden when he came. It was supposed to be a retirement home, but um, he obviously didn't retire because he, he busy, spent the next man, 20 years yeah. absolutely, you know, landscaping this, this landscape that you can see in front of you now. So this kind of formal section in front of us, Fran, this is, is this Henry's kind of garden this, still? Yeah, this is Henry, very much Henry Poaching's creation in the sort of high Victorian, ornate, Italianate style with the um, lawns, formal lawns and the balustrades and the, um, we have a round garden and a parterre and a square garden, so very formal. So Henry left this kind of legacy of, uh, you know, of, of garden design and, and the changes he made to the house, but did subsequent members of the family then follow in his footsteps and continue developing and collecting plants? Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that's so special and there are so unique about Bodnant is that the family, five generations of the family, have all had a passion for horticulture wow. and they've continued that tradition that Henry Pochin started here and layered their own influences on the garden. So Henry Pochin developed the Victorian 
formal garden here. He also re-sculpted the hillside rolling down the west of the garden by planting all the conifers. So he had an interest in the sort of big landscape. Uh, his daughter Laura McLaren, she was very interested in planting and in the kind of Edwardian style cottage garden, the sort of flowing billowing rose beds and the garden rooms. And her son Henry Duncan McLaren, he was the one who actually designed the structure of the terraces here. So he was very into the architecture and the hard landscaping and between Henry Duncan and his mother Laura, they together created these wonderful terraces. It must be amazing here in the height of summer, you know, when you've got the roses in full flower and you've got the wisterias and you've got the scent. But the winter's got an enormous amount to offer as well, Fran, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. We have a winter garden here in the top garden, designed and planted eight years ago, which is a real highlight in winter. But there's so much else to see along the dell of the garden as well. Shall we go and have a look at that, Let's Laura go and Dyer? have a look. That's quite a dramatic change, isn't it? I always find when you go from a formal garden into a more informal area, there's, a, there's almost a weight that's lifted off you because formal gardens can be quite intense. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of plants for you to look at, lots of architecture, and it's very, very different. And then you come into okay. this much more relaxed <sighs> environment. And you do, you take a breath, don't you? As we walk down the hill, and I know it's a... It's an obvious thing to say, but the trees feel as if they're just getting taller and taller and taller. Henry Poachin was also responsible for some of the watercourses that you can okay. see in here now. It's, it's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. The colours are quite amazing, even, even in the winter, in this winter light. And the, the most striking one for me at the moment is the Scots pine in the distance. That kind of blue-green is really, really nice. The darker green of the conifers and then the camellias, you know, I always obviously think of tea plantations when you see camellias. These are just these lovely shades of green at the moment. That's the beauty of this place for me is that it, the contrast, I mean, every season you come and it's a different, different view that you see. As you say, you come in May, June, and it's a riot of colour. Gardens like this that are full of such variety, they don't have to make you smile. Can we stop here? You know, you've been here for six years and you kind of casually walk past that amazing <laughs> view, which is almost like a ravine, you know, with this stream flowing down through it. It looks absolutely perfect. It looks like something you'd stumble across it does, in nature, it? doesn't a it? Absolutely. But it's, it's, it's man-made. And I think that's what, you know, that's what I'm feeling here, is that, that sense of Henry Poulton as well, having a connection to the wider landscape. I've done an awful lot of walking and climbing in Wales over the years and particularly in North Wales. And in the lower sections of the mountains, you do get these flowing streams and these, you know, these natural rockeries, you know, dressed with plants, and then you emerge into the mountains from there, into the higher levels, and that's what it feels like, but just touched by a gardener. And I really like that, you know, it's, it's really nice. There's a big change from the little gentle trickle that we were talking yeah, about on the way down. Yeah. You, you come around the corner and you, you emerge from the planting here and you, this is an old mill, presumably, in the distance. But I can spot, there's like a brazier on the go over there. Yeah. Is that just for me, is it? Absolutely. Is it we laid it great? on specially for you. No, sorry. Yeah. That, that's on the go <laughs> <laughs> through the winter. Um, so as a visitor, if you come in the winter, you follow the sound of the water from the top of the garden all the way down and it gets louder and louder and then you find yourself, well, hey, here we are.
Can we go and have a look? Because yeah, I might have a cup. Let's actually. go and warm up. So this is a really nice thing for visitors to have, isn't it? There's kind of chairs here and there's a brazier here, so you can just sit, come down here and sit and have a chat. Yeah, and it just tempts people to come out. You know, get yourself out on that cold winter day and in the fresh air and taking these beautiful views. Are we now going to head all the way back uphill again or have we got options from here? You've got, you've got options. You can head back up through the formal garden or you could head beyond where, um, to the far end of the garden and take in some of the beautiful trees and wow. shrubs in winter. You can't but mistake the tree collection from here. They are absolutely massive. And I'm going to meet John, aren't I, fairly shortly, just to uh, have a look oh, at some more. Here he is. Here's our head gardener, John. John. Hi, John. Hello. John, meet Alan. Oh, I should put my coffee down and shake your hand. John, it's nice to see you again. Fran's been kind of wetting my appetite about the champion trees and the huge trees in the collection here. And um, I'm just looking forward to you giving me a bit of a personal tour of these giants. Well, if there's any space at Bodnant where there's magic at the moment, it's down here in the Dell with these incredible trees. So, yeah, let's have a walk. It becomes immediately apparent, doesn't it, when you, you know, leave that lovely Georgian mill behind. Everything is big in this part of Bodnant. It's the Valley of the Giants, really, and it is so dramatic, isn't it? It's hard, as an admirer of these amazing organisms, to, uh, to put words to it. You must have quite a good population of champion trees here. Yes, we have over 40, actually. So wow. champion tree means it's either the tallest in the UK or the widest girth. So to have 40 in one garden is, is a real privilege. And apparently the Conway Valley is one of the premier places for conifers in Europe for growing with the climate, cool summers, the soil. So we have perfect conditions for these incredible trees. How old is this? Is this 120, 130 yeah, years old? That age, yeah. You think, as a, even as a grown-up, but as a child you think you could probably put your arms around half of that, but it would take five or six of us yes. to try and put our arms together and hug that tree. So I've actually got a photograph of this Greek fir opposite being planted. And if you look at this... This is what I was talking about. That's that tree when it was planted, and there's Henry Poach in there. There's his head gardener and the family, children. It's fantastic, isn't it? And looking at the faces. So you said this is the head gardener kneeling yes. down, and he's got a nice bowler hat on, and he's got a jacket. This is and, Mr Poaching. And that's, so that's Henry Poaching? Yeah. Wow. So the head gardener's on his knees in that picture, and his head is just below the top of the conifer. So it's like one of the potted Christmas trees that you'd see these days. And now looking across the stream... We look at the base of that tree and you, you can travel, you can let your eyes travel up the tree. And would you say that's, is that 45 metres yes, maybe? Yes, it is, yeah, it's huge. That's a big tree, you know, kind of Nelson Column status tree in the garden, isn't it? Right, where are you going to take me next? Well, let's head up through the valley, follow the light. light from the low sun is just phenomenal, isn't it? I can hear that waterfall trickling away in the background. And I'd love to go and have a look at that amazing bridge. Bodnan's famous for lots of things, but actually this bridge is something very special, isn't it? To stand over that sense of energy that a waterfall gives you is 
is phenomenal. I love the sound, I love the drama of the scenery, the, the water as it cascades down through the dell. We're really lucky we might see a trout or a salmon jumping because this oh, is really? as far as the salmon can come up from the sea. It's a bit too big a leap for them, but sometimes you do see them attempting it. I hate to say it, John, but that river's making a bit of a racket. Can we go off and talk somewhere else? You can't hear yourself think here, can you? We've talked a lot, John, as we walked around about uh, Henry Pochin's influence on the garden, and there were some fairly important gardeners. There was three, was it three generations of a family gardened here for the... That's right. Yeah, the three generations of owners of the garden coincided with three generations of head gardeners from the Puddle family. So there's a collaboration of these really keen, knowledgeable owners, but also these fantastically skilled and artistic and uh, well-organised head gardeners, which no, is no what, pressure on you then. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard act to follow. It is, but it, that relationship is obviously key with what you see laid out in front of you at Bodnant. You yeah. know, and you look at many other gardens in history, and it's the same thing. Those gardens that have lasted through kind of changes in fashion and taste, it has been that rock-solid owner, architect, or owner gardener, and to have three generations of it at Bodnant is quite amazing. I think the vision of the head gardeners. They were given all this plant material that came in from the plant hunters. They had the skill to grow those on. They also went a lot further and started hybridizing, for example, the rhododendrons to try and get the best varieties and spread the flowering season. But then they had the foresight and the vision and the boldness to plant on this enormous scale and fill this whole valley. You know, the biggest rhododendrons you'll see outside of China are growing in the Udell because of their expertise. I'm going to have to go and see those rhododendrons. It's too tempting. You can't say <laughs> stuff like that and expect me to stay here. <laughs> well, listen, it's been great to see you again and thanks a million for showing me your uh, amazing garden. And good luck with it. Yeah, thank you. I've just come across the uh, waterfall bridge and suddenly the land rises away from you and you come up through these winding pathways and it's for me it's a great sense of exploration like being a plant hunter like trying to find your way around kind of forests of, in a foreign land I'm waiting for Alison one of the gardeners to come down and she's going to kind of uncover the secrets of these magnificent rhododendrons that populate this place too Hi, Alison. How are you doing? Yeah, nice to meet you. Really nice to meet you as well. And I believe this is kind of, this is an area that you know quite a bit about. Um, yeah, I guess so, you know. That's a very modest answer, I reckon. <laughs> Some of these plants round here were collected by Ernest Wilson in particular 100, 110 years ago. I mean, Ernest Wilson was you know, in the early 20th century, one of the, one of the best yes. and most successful plant hunters. Yeah. Many plants, magnolias, rhododendrons, he was particularly interested in those plants like magnolia, wilsoni and that kind of thing named after him. And these are some original Ernest Wilson plants. Though. That's right, yeah. 
And what I find amazing about those original introductions is I've, I'm quite visual in my head, so I picture the plant hunters and their team of assistants mm -hmm. collecting seed yeah. from these rhododendrons, and they're growing in front of us. It gives, yeah. it gives me goose pimples. Yeah. It really does. Your collection here, Alison, you've said that you had some of the wild source species, yeah. so they'd be the species, the pure rhododendrons. Yeah. And then I've been led to understand that the puddles as gardeners, when those species had grown and flowered, they hybridised, so they crossed two different plants together, didn't they? Yeah, in, in some respects they were trying to um, get something a bit different. Perhaps one plant might, might have been particularly hardy, but not such a nice flower whereas another plant had a fabulous flower but wasn't particularly hardy. Therefore, they were crossing them together to try and combine the best features of each plant. When you start getting up close and personal with these roadies, the leaf size is different, the distribution of leaves, the leaf petiole yeah. is different, isn't yeah. it? This is a stunning one though, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely it's amazing stunning. when it's in flower. Oh, and the scent <laughs> of this one yeah. is brilliant, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It always amuses me. You see people walking under there going, what's that smell? And they don't think to look up. But unfortunately, the flowers, is such a big plant, the flowers are above their head and they don't always see them. Alison, thank you so much for that. Yeah. That's been really interesting to have a look at the roadies. been really nice to explore the garden for a while on my own. I've, um, I've come really to explore one of the garden's private spaces. It's the family's mausoleum, this area, and you kind of enter it and you, you want to be quiet, you want to be polite, you want to be respectful. Things are a little bit more open and you're much more aware of people exploring the garden at Bodnant, you know, zigzagging across the grass pathways and across the gravel pathways. And they're all approaching you know, this particular part of the garden with a sense of kind of intrigue and respect, I suppose, because they're about to meet the creators of Bodnant as well. But what I love, I just love seeing people exploring the place, enjoying the garden, because that's what Henry Pochen would have originally intended. I've come right up close to the front, and there's these lovely oak doors with a kind of little panels that you can see through and you can see the busts of the people. I can see Laura Elizabeth and Henry Pochin in front of me. I've walked the garden at Bodland today and I've, I've kind of met these people through the plants and through the planting design that they've done, but to see their names and their busts laid out in front of me kind of connects you to the people behind the place. It really does. And it's a very important place at Bodland, a very special place to stand and visit and experience. Thank you for listening to this episode of the National Trust Podcast. Join us in two weeks' time when we'll be going for a walk with a pack of mischievous hounds. Don't forget to subscribe to the series and do give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I look forward to our next adventure and I do hope you'll join me. Until then, from me, Alan Power, goodbye. <laughs>